MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. Today, the Select Committee on the Insurrection had its first hearing. Jesse Jackson is one of 39 arrested at a sit-in in Senator Cinema's office. That's hard to say. The Department of Justice makes a few big decisions today. House counsel says it will not represent Mo Brooks in Eric Swalwell's lawsuit against him. Biden will announce vaccine requirements for all federal employees on Thursday. And an anti-vaxxer is arrested for threatening Dr. Fauci. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, hello, Dana. Hello, my friend. Wow, do I hate Republicans that will not fight for our democracy today, uh, even more than ever listening to what we're going to get into today. But my God. Yeah, today was tough. Today was um, tough, but necessary. And I will be doing a whole segment with some clips of what I think are some of the standout moments. And then Great. you and I, of course, are going to go over some headlines. And then later I get to talk to the amazing, incredible Jill Weinbanks. We're going to discuss some of the Department of Justice's decisions today, including one I'm still waiting for. They had till midnight, I think, tonight to decide whether or not they're going to represent Mo Brooks in Swalwell's lawsuit. And we'll get into that a little bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the good news, which we desperately need. We do indeed. We definitely do indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, oh, and, you know, I wanted to just say I fucking love Simone Biles. Uh, That's all. I'm so proud of her. I cannot imagine, none of us can, unless they're on that world stage, what sort of pressure (laughs) and stress, and she made a decision that was best for her team. And if you saw the press conference when they were talking about the silver medal they won, even her teammates were like, we could not have done this without you. This is your medal too. Everyone was just so wonderful. And these... These keyboard warriors, these lazy fucks that never get off their couch, much less know what it's like to be an Olympic athlete. Just going after her. I just really hate people sometimes. Yeah. Charlie Kirk today. Oh, she's weak and she's an embarrassment to the. Okay, Charlie Kirk, I'd like to see you do the Biles. Oh, my God. I'd like to see him walk on a balance beam without falling off. Walk on it. Just walk on it. I would love to see him get his nuts crushed by a balance beam. Oh, that would be nice. I think that that would be fantastic. But (laughs) in any case, she is the greatest of all time. She continues to be. And I respect her decision. I love her. Amen to that. All right. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today is the insurrection hearing, but I'm going to go over that, like I said, in its own segment a little bit later in the show. So right now I want to discuss a couple of decisions coming out of the Department of Justice today. Of course, we're waiting for that big one. But Garland actually formally declined today to assert executive privilege for potential testimony of at least some witnesses related to the January 6th insurrection. Including? And that's according. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. (laughs) And that's including uh, that's uh, from a person who was briefed on the matter. This decision paves the way for some former Justice Department officials to testify on what they witnessed in the chaotic days between Donald Trump's November election loss and early January when he tried to use the Justice Department and other means to advance false claims that he won. Among potential witnesses, as you asked, from uh, which a special select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection is expected to seek testimony, are Jeffrey Rosen who was the acting attorney general in late December and until the inauguration of Joe Biden. Rosen and other justice officials were at the center of a pressure campaign by Trump and the other White House officials to back 
his claims of vote fraud, the false claims of vote fraud. Frustrated that the Justice Department didn't find evidence of fraud, Trump contemplated replacing Rosary, Rosen with Jeff. <laughs> Rosary? <laughs> yeah. Rosary. And a few Hail Marys. And that's exactly what that was. It was a Hail Mary to try and fix the fucking problem with Jeffrey Clark. <laughs> nice. So now I have to leave that mistake in the podcast that's because right. of your wonderful, your wonderful segue there to cover. Uh, but this is, you know, the, the campaign pressure, uh, the pressure that Trump put on the Justice Department about voter fraud and frustrated that they didn't find evidence. He wanted to replace Rosen with Jeffrey Clark, another Justice Department official who signaled support for the fraud claims. Rosen and a group of top justice officials uh, prepared to resign if Clark were made acting attorney general. And the Justice Department's decision applies to former justice employees. Other potential witnesses that the committee may want to hear from, such as former White House officials, may be subject to different standards under executive privilege. So this is just for Department of Justice officials, and this is good. They're saying, feel free to testify. They notified former officials in a letter Monday saying, you're free to provide unrestricted testimony and irrespective of of potential privilege. That's according to a copy of the letter reviewed by CNN. So that's absolutely the right call. And in another story, Garland has decided to give Gordon Sundland the E. Jean Carroll treatment in that they have decided that Secretary Pompeo was acting within the scope of his duties when he decided to pull State Department payment of Sundland's legal fees. Remember that? Yes. The State Department, Pompeo said, we'll cover your legal fees. And then Sundland testified that there was a quid pro quo. And they said, we're not going to pay your legal fees anymore. Well. Garland decided that that decision was within the scope of his duties. And I kind of agree with that one. I don't agree with the Eugene Carroll one, but this one seems like it's in the scope of his duties. We learned about an hour ago that lawyers for the House of Representatives, House Counsel Doug Letter, will not represent Mo Brooks in the suit against him filed by Biggie Swalls, Eric Swalwell. And that people were kind of confusing that with the Department of Justice decision that we don't have yet. Well, there you have that. This next story, it's it's amazing. And it happens throughout our history when civil rights leaders fight for what they know is right. A, a lot of them, a lot of them, 39 people, including Reverend Jeff, Jesse Jackson and William Barber, were among those arrested Monday after refusing to leave the Phoenix office of Kirsten Cinema. So... She has faced unrelenting pressure. We've known, we've seen this all over social media from the liberal activists over her opposition to ending the filibuster and to pass voting rights legislation. So Jackson, who is, as we know, one of the nation's most prominent civil rights leaders, uh, he said that the U.S. is in a, quote, civilization crisis with battle lines drawn. And he urges, he urged activists to fight nonviolently for their rights. And they've been doing this for decades. And he said, the power's in you, the people. And that was Jackson. So passing voting rights legislation, this is a top priority for congressional Democrats and progressive activists who say it's essential to push back against state-level efforts by Republicans to impose new restrictions on voting. It's uh, been stymied by the filibuster, as we know, which prevents Democrats from passing most legislation without Republican support, which they don't seem to be giving a shit ton of these days. <laughs> Several hundred activists marched about a mile from a park to cinema's office in Phoenix's Biltmore neighborhood, chanting, end the filibuster now. Eliminating the filibuster would open the door for Democratic senators to enact voting rights bills and raise the federal minimum wage to $15, which... <laughs> needs to be done as well. So those who who were arrested were actually cited for trespassing, but they were released, uh, Phoenix Police Sergeant Mercedes Fortune said. So they did get arrested, 
but they were released. I can't believe we're still fucking arresting people Seriously. marching for voting rights. What the fuck? I mean, they're arresting. Well, I mean, I, they seem to be arresting black people for less. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I just mean that we're still protesting voting rights. It's oh, just, no, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I do have some good news. President Joe Biden will announce tomorrow a requirement that all federal employees and contractors, somebody had asked me if the contractors were included. Yes, and contractors be vaccinated against COVID-19 or be required to submit to regular testing and mitigation requirements. That's according to a source with direct knowledge. The announcement will come in remarks where Biden is also expected to lay out a series of new steps, including incentives, new incentives in an attempt to spur new vaccinations as the Delta variant spreads rapidly throughout the country. It will also follow the decision by the Department of Veterans Affairs, which we talked about yesterday, to require their frontline health care workers be vaccinated over the course of the next two months. Now, this new announcement will require that all VA employees, not just the frontline workers, be vaccinated. And that's a huge agency that doubles the number of people that will be vaccinated in the VA. While the specifics are still being finalized, the source said federal workers would be required to attest to their vaccination status or submit to regular testing. The source. And if Fox News goes off on this, fuck them because they do this. Absolutely. (laughs) They do this. The source said the proposal will be roughly similar to what's being implemented in New York City. Additional requirements for the unvaccinated could be added as agencies push to vaccinate their employees. Biden will not impose the requirement on the U.S. military, despite his authority to do so for the time being. He is, however, likely to outline how the Department of Defense may seek to approach the issue going forward. And to prevent further spread of the Delta variant, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention updated its mask guidance on Tuesday to recommend that fully vaccinated people wear masks indoors when they're in areas with substantial and high transmission of COVID-19, which includes nearly two thirds of all U.S. counties. So probably you. New unpublished, you know, I bet most of our listeners are still wearing masks. Yeah, I definitely am. Uh, New unpublished data showing that vaccinated people infected with the Delta coronavirus variant can have as much virus as those who are unvaccinated. That's the primary driver for the CDC's latest mask guidance change. That's a source involved with the decision telling CNN this. Overall, vaccinated people still play a small role in transmission breakthrough and breakthrough infections are rare. But the previous loosening of the mask mandate was before Delta, when vaccinated people didn't carry enough of a viral load to pass it on if they became infected. Delta is different. You can carry the same amount of viral load as an unvaccinated person. So mask up. Don't get weird about CDC changing guidelines. That's how science works. But you know that we all, you know, learn new things and we make adjustments. That's how it goes. That's what we do. All right. Heading to the uh, East Coast. A Maryland man has been arrested for making series, a series of violent threats against our sweet doctor, Anthony Fauci. Now, this is from NBC4, Washington's Scott McFarlane. So according to McFarlane, investigators say that the man slammed the promotion of vaccines and threatened to beat, kill, and lynch Fauci. What? These, these crazy fucks, AG. I just... McFarlane also included an email that the man sent to Fauci in which he made conspiratorial allusions to Freemasons. Oh, I, we really need to work on the mental health access in this yeah. country. Uh, this yep. is a quote. You're, you're a lying sack of shit all the way back to your bullshit HIV scam. One email wrote, you were sickening, compromised, satanic Freemason criminal. So the email went on to tell Fauci that quote, I hope you get a rope around your vile elf neck and a bullet in your disgusting elf face tonight. This is, I, uh, this is a human being, AG. These, this guy yeah. reads it. He has a family, he has a wife. I get upset about this stuff. The message also said he hoped Fauci got a skull. 
I should have put a warning, trigger warning at the beginning of this, and I apologize. Um, sorry about that to the listeners. The message also said he hoped Fauci got his skull bashed in with a baseball bat. Fauci and his family have been giving a 24-hour security detail over the last year after the former president, and his supporters regularly targeted him for his recommendations on combating the novel coronavirus pandemic. You remember, you remember when W, you remember when W gave him that, was it a congressional medal? What was it that he was putting around his neck, George W? Hmm. Remember when they were actually giving Fauci, even Republicans, the deserved recognition that he's earned through his tenure. I just, it's infuriating what Donald has done to this country yeah. and what they've done to this man. Republicans loved Mueller before Trump. Republicans loved Fauci before Trump. Republicans loved democracy before yeah. Trump. Now we've only got a handful of them left. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back speaking of that to go over the standout moments of the 1-6 commission this morning. And then later I'll be speaking with Jill Wine-Banks about the Department of Justice decisions today. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional, convenient online counseling. Life is very unpredictable, as you know. We have ups and downs, and sometimes it can be difficult, stressful, or downright overwhelming to cope with. But the great thing is you don't have to cope with it alone. And if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a happy, fulfilling life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate these challenges. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It is licensed professional therapy done securely online. And they assess your needs and they match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in fewer than 24 hours. You know, I've had issues with anxiety and PTS and it's hard to ask for help, but this makes it so convenient and easy. And it's just so important to know that you're not alone. You get timely and thoughtful responses from your counselor and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. And they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So please visit their website and read some testimonials like this one by user SY, who says, I had for years put off getting help or had seen more physicians who often felt generic or didn't feel appropriate or comfortable for my situation. Joining this counseling was one of the best decisions I've made this year. My counselor, Marianne, has shown great commitment, care, empathy, and understanding, and has provided me with the tools to help me navigate my everyday. And I feel excited to heal and regain a sense of agency. Thank you. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced, licensed professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, we had the first hearing by the select committee on 1-6, in which we heard gut-wrenching testimony by four officers, Fanone, Hodges, Dunn, and Ganell. I have a few clips to play of what I thought were standout moments while I was watching. The first that I want to play for you is when Officer Hodges was asked why he kept using the word terrorist to describe those who attacked the Capitol. And he did. He, he continued to refer to these, uh, you know, tourists, as the Republicans put it, as terrorists. And I thought that was really well played. And then when asked about it, he brought the receipts. Let's listen. Why do you call the attackers terrorists? And what do you think about our colleagues who think we should call them tourists? Well, if that's what American tourists are like, I can see why foreign countries don't like American tourists. (laughs) (laughs) But I can see why someone would take issue with the uh, title of terrorist. It's gained a lot of uh, notoriety in our vocabulary in the past few decades. And uh, we like to believe that, no, that couldn't happen here. No, no domestic terrorism, no homegrown threats. But I came prepared. 
U.S. Code, Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 113, Bees and Brown, Section 2331. The term domestic terrorism means activities that involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state, and B, appear to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population, or to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion, or to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping, and occur primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. Okay, and next I have the from the opening statements of Officer Fanon, his very passionate opening statement discussing the Republican downplaying of the insurrection. Let's listen to that. What makes the struggle harder and more painful is to know so many of my fellow citizens, including so many of the people I put my life at risk to defend, are downplaying or outright denying what happened. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. My law enforcement career prepared me to cope with some of the aspects of this experience. Being an officer, you know your life is at risk whenever you walk out the door, even if you don't expect otherwise law-abiding citizens to take up arms against you. But nothing, truly nothing, has prepared me to address those elected members of our government who continue to deny the events of that day, and in doing so, betray their oath of office. And I also wanted to play a little bit of Officer Ganell's opening statement, incredible statement, including, he, I mean, he made contrast between the Black Lives Matter protests and the insurrection, and of course, the deafening silence, lack of outrage, and how that compares to some other faux outrage we've seen on the right. Let's listen. Many of my fellow Capitol officers, as well as MPD officers, suffer several physical injuries from the violent inflicted on us on January 6th. I sustained injuries on both my hands, my left shoulder, my left calf, and my right foot. I already had undergone bone fusion surgery on my right foot. And I was just told that I need surgery on my left shoulder. I've been on medical and I'm in straight leave for much of my pe- of the past six months. And I expect to need further rehabilitation for possibly more than a year. There are some who express outrage when someone kneels while calling for social justice. Where are those same people expressing the outrage to condone, condemn the violence attack on law enforcement, the capital, and our American democracy. I'm still waiting for them. As Americans in the world watching horror, what was happening at the Capitol, we did not receive re- timely reinforcement and support we needed. In contrast, during the Black Lives Matter protest last year, U.S. Capitol Police had all the support we needed and more. What was, why the different response? Were it not for the brave members of the MPD 
and later on from other law enforcement agencies. I'm afraid to think what could have happened on January 6th. And I really have to say how glad I am that everyone on this committee is dedicated to finding the unvarnished truth and that people like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks weren't allowed to participate. And now, even though Pelosi seated the members, there, there are extremely conservative Republicans that participated today. I mean, nobody really hears the word Cheney and thinks liberal. And I could feel the emotion coming from Kinzinger. He's a combat veteran, extremely conservative Republican. And at one point, he almost says Baghdad instead of bad days. I, I imagine watching these videos and, and the violence against the United States, democracy and the officers has to be very difficult for him, given all he's seen. Let's listen. Uh, I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though. You guys may, like, individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with, and, you know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. It's to find the truth and it's to ensure accountability. And it was also a punch to the gut to listen to Officer Dunn explain his experience as a black man in a crowd peopled by many white supremacists. There's a big content warning for this next clip for epithets, but I think it's important to play this as we heard it on national television, unedited in its entirety. More and more insurrectionists were pouring into the area by the speaker's lobby near the rotunda, and some wearing MAGA hats and shirts that said Trump 2020. I told them to just leave the Capitol, and in response, they yelled, no man, this is our house. President Trump invited us here. We're here to stop the steal. Joe Biden is not the president. Nobody voted for Joe Biden. I'm a law enforcement officer, and I do my best to keep politics out of my job. But in this circumstance, I responded, well, I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? Am I nobody? That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This nigger voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, fucking nigger. No one had ever, ever called me a nigger while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a nigger to his face. And that streak ended on January 6th. Very powerful testimony. And finally, a theme in the closing statements today, as the officers urged Congress to investigate not just the boots on the ground, but those that incited, funded, and organized the coup. Let's listen to both officers Hodges and Dunn 
make that point? Um, as uh, patrol officers, we can only, you know, deal with the crimes that happen on the streets, the misdemeanors and occasionally the violent felonies. But um, you guys are the only ones we've got to deal with crimes that occur above us. I need you guys to address if anyone in power had a role in this. If anyone in power coordinated or aided or abetted or tried to downplay, tried to prevent the investigation of this uh, terrorist attack because we can't do it. We're not allowed to. And I think um, the majority of Americans are really looking forward to that as well. There's been a sentiment that's going around that says everybody's trying to make January 6th political. Well, it's not a secret that it was political. They literally were there to stop the steal. So when people say it shouldn't be political, it is. It was and it is. There's no getting around that. Telling the truth shouldn't be hard. Fighting, for, fighting on January 6th, that was hard. Showing up January 7th, that was hard. The 8th, the 9th, the 10th, all the way till today, that was hard. When the fence came down, that was hard. We lost our a layer of protection that we had and the fence came down and still nothing has changed. Everything is different, but nothing has changed. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are being lauded as courageous heroes. And while I agree with that notion, why? Because they told the truth? Why is telling the truth hard? I guess in this America, it is. Us four officers, we would do January 6th all over again. We wouldn't stay home because we knew it was going to happen. We would show up. That's courageous. That's heroic. So what I ask from you all is to get to the bottom of what happened. And that includes, like, I echoed the sentiments of all of the other officers sitting here. I use an analogy to describe what I want is a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that. I encourage everybody to watch the hearings today in full. They, you can find them on YouTube. Um, very, very powerful today. And hard to watch. It threw us all right back to where we were on January 6th. I, I, I will never forget it. I woke up in the morning. I was so happy because I had stayed up late the night before watching Ossoff and Warnock flip the Senate blue. And I woke up in the morning, got coffee. I was on cloud nine. We won the election. We won the Senate. And I said, OK, just one thing left. We just have to certify the results. And then we all watched what happened on television. It's going to be very important that these hearings continue. 
And I'm I'm sure, as I've I've said before, that I know that there's some brilliant lawyers on on this committee who are working closely with the Department of Justice to make sure that what they're doing in Congress in the Select Committee on on one six does not interfere with the criminal investigation into the insurrection. Uh, everybody, we'll be right back with Jill Weinbanks. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG from The Beans. Summer is heating up. People are rushing to get outside and back to normal. And I feel like after a long time in isolation, it's kind of overwhelming with everybody slammed together again trying to catch up for lost time. So when I get stressed out with socializing, which I do now, I go back to my favorite game during social distancing, and that's Best Fiends. I take it everywhere, and it puts the world on pause and makes me feel like all the stress and my worries disappear. Since I started playing Best Fiends, I do not want to stop. I am on level 21, no, 2240 now, I think. And I've been making progress with collecting my characters and leveling them up. And uh, Best Fiends is so much fun. It's so relaxing. Beautiful visuals, great music, thousands of puzzles. It helps keep my brain active. They're adorable collective characters. There's something new every day. They always keep it fresh. And it's one of those games that makes 30 minutes feel like 30 seconds. So you take it to the DMV with you and the time just goes right by. I love their new updates with new events and challenges, and I've unlocked tons of new characters and worlds while playing. My favorite thing is how you strategically team up with each of your characters based on their special abilities to gain extra points, and you get items so you can level up your fiends. And best of all, it's totally free to download, and it doesn't require the internet to play. There's just so much to love about this game, so give it a try. Let me know if you love it as much as I do. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Today's show is also brought to you by Everlane. Uh, It's summertime. The living is easy. And so is my summer wardrobe, thanks to Everlane. Everlane makes premium quality essentials that complement every outfit at a more transparent and affordable price. I love Everlane's clothes. I recently got their Recotton Henley Tea and Citrus. It is a a military-inspired classic made for warmer days, and it looks and feels amazing. I also got just a ton of tank tops because that's what I hang out in all day, and they're so comfortable and light, made of 60% recycled cotton fabric that's breathable and soft. Everlane has made quality clothing with ethical factories and radically transparent pricing since 2010. They do extensive research and vetting using their ethical factories that provide fair wages and reasonable hours to skilled people who craft their clothing. Timeless designs and finest sustainable materials. You can wear them for years to come so they don't end up in landfills and you have to rebuy everything. Having clothes that are ethically made feels good too. And I love using Everlane's exceptional customer service and easy to use website and their high quality clothing. They have everything you need to upgrade your summer uniform. So check out their amazing sustainable swimwear collection made from 13,000 pounds of recycled plastic. That's amazing. Everlane has all the everyday essentials from damn good denim to super soft loungewear. So go to everlane.com slash dailybeans. Sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to Everlane, E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E dot com slash Daily Beans and sign up. All right, everybody, welcome back. The news finally dropped at 7 p.m. here on the West Coast. The Department of Justice will not represent Mo Brooks in the lawsuit filed by Eric Swalwell against him for instigating the attack on the Capitol, which is what the complaint alleges. And joining me to discuss this is author of The Watergate Girl, fantastic, incredible book, and of course, Watergate prosecutor, Jill Weinbanks. Hi, Jill. Hi, thank you so much for letting me talk about this wonderful news. It's such a relief to me because I was so worried because of what happened with the E. Jean Carroll case and what happened earlier today with the the Pompeo case, that Pompeo was acting within the scope of his duties when he decided to stop letting the State Department take care of Sondland's legal fees in the first impeachment. But this 
decision, 29-page decision is full of really interesting information. Yes. And I, I think that there is some logic to saying that Pompeo was acting in the scope of his job. There is none for saying that Mo Brooks or Donald Trump were acting in the scope of their jobs in inciting a riot. That just is not the part of any federal employee's job. And the opinion actually does have sort of some extra language there, not just that Mo Brooks wasn't acting in the scope of his job, but no federal employee would be (laughs) acting in the scope of their job. Seems to me clear message to Donald Trump, if you're going to apply to us to represent you, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I think that a couple of things here that I wanted to talk to you about, because the initial reason for the Department of Justice to have this dismissed, the certification dismissed, is that Mo Brooks' speech amounts to a campaign rally, which is outside the scope of his duty. But they go on to say, but if the court doesn't agree with that, and they do all their case citations, it's also very important to note that incitation, that the complaint from Swalwell alleges he conspired to instigate the attack on the Capitol. And that is well with outside the scope of, of his duties as a congressman. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. And they said it would be incumbent upon Mr. Brooks to prove in this case that he did not incite the, the coup, basically. And I think that that's Absolutely fascinating. They also mentioned we're investigating this, too. So this is an indication now, isn't it, that the Department of Justice is investigating some of these members of Congress? It is. And it, as you said in the beginning, this gives me new hope because I was, I, I am, not I was, but I still am frustrated by the decision that there is any possibility that Donald Trump was acting in the scope of his responsibilities as president of the United States in defaming a person who claims that she was raped by him. And I I don't see that. I don't see the argument that justifies that being considered part of his job. Yes, it's part of his job to answer questions. It's part of his job to have press conferences, but it is not part of his job to lie to the American people. It's not part of his job to defame a person who claims to have been wronged by him. Yeah. And if and if the logic in this particular document should apply to that right. as well, and I don't understand how they could make those two decisions exclusively from a different from one another, because if you take the same logic and say, all right, it wasn't a campaign situation, what he was talking about, E. Jean Carroll, but that language is definitely outside of the scope of, of his duties as as president, as this is a personal matter, which they mentioned that the, the verbiage personal matter when you applied to campaign stuff comes in into into context within this decision about Mo Brooks, why it doesn't apply to E. Jean Carroll, I cannot understand. I'm disappointed that the Department of Justice decided to continue representing uh, the president based on what the Department of Justice under Donald Trump had decided. Uh, It seems to me it would have been a very good opportunity for the Attorney General Garland to make a clean break from William Barr and the Department of Justice under Trump and to have said, there are certain things that are right and we're going to follow those. So I'm not, I, I really don't see the logical differentiation. I think this is the right decision right now in the Mo Brooks case. 
Um, and it would have been equally right at the time of the E. Jean Carroll case. Yeah, it almost makes it seem like the only reason they stayed on the aging Carroll case is because a previous corrupt Department of Justice made that decision and they just wanted to continue with that decision. But that doesn't feel like the right thing to do. And, and, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's not. I, I would love to have someone ask for that distinction to be made. And it may be something that will happen in this trial, in this court. It may come up, although the right decision was reached here. Maybe it'll come up at another point in an appeal uh, of the decision in the E. Jean Carroll case. That's possible. Um, But I think she's being wronged in this situation because your, your listeners should know it's not just a question of who pays for the lawyer. That's not, I mean, that's an important issue um, because lawyers are expensive. I, I get that. But it's also that if you substitute the Department of Justice as the defendant, there's really, first of all, no accountability for the individual who did the wrong act. And secondly, there's immunity for most government actors. So or people who act in the scope of their duties cannot be sued. So therefore, that kills the case. So it's not just who represents you. It's that if they prevail in representing you, they also prevail in saying you can't sue because we haven't waived our sovereign immunity and therefore you can't sue. So it's it is the end of the case if it prevails. That's why it's so important. Yeah, I agree. And one more question for you before I let you go here. You pointed out the language that there are others, anyone, no one can say that this is part of their job. And there is going to be a decision as to whether or not the Department of Justice will be representing Trump in the Swalwell case. And I think we're going to see the exact same verbiage there that we do here. What do you think? Well, let me let me stop you there, because Trump has not asked to be represented in this. So there won't be a decision by the department. They're not going to volunteer to do it. And so if he doesn't ask them to, then there won't Mm. be. Maybe he was waiting to see what happened with with some of these other ones before he decided to even file that request or motion. Maybe, maybe he may not have wanted to spend the money filing the motion if it was going to be unsuccessful as it was. And it particularly, I think the court went out of its way to say, in this case, and in all cases of federal employees, there is no argument that this is in the scope of the responsibility to incite a riot. Yeah, they didn't have to say that, right? They didn't have to make that, right. that addition. That's right. It's what's known as dictum in a, an opinion, where it's not really directly relevant to the decision at hand, but it's mm, interesting. And it does absolutely, dictum often becomes the law in the subsequent cases. And so I think this is a good way of saying, don't bother coming to us because you're not going to get represented. And, um, you know, the same thing may be true of others who were members of Congress who were involved in the rally before the march to the um, Capitol or who, like Jeff, uh, Congressman Hawley, who raised his fist and said, you go, guys, this is good stuff. So I, I think that there's a message here for all of them. And it's a very good decision. But there's also a message for all of us who have been holding our breath about when the real Merrick Garland was going to stand up and say, this is a new Department of Justice. We follow the law. We follow the rules. And we make logical distinctions based on facts. So I 
I feel really good and encouraged um, about this. Yeah, me too. All right. Next up, will he pursue obstruction of justice charges against Donald Trump? Stay tuned. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time today. And we'll definitely talk when that uh, decision, when that charging decision comes down. And now I'm very interested in what the Department of Justice investigation into the insurrection just got blown open for me. So there are so many possibilities. And it's not just when we think of the Department of Justice, you think of the criminal division, you think of the National Security Division, but it's also includes the U.S. attorneys. And we know that the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia is looking at this. Um, We also know that the U.S. attorney in uh, well, actually, it's the, I'm sorry, the, the Fulton County DA is also investigating. So that wouldn't be a question. But it it could be that Donald Trump would say, well, in this case, you have to represent me because I was acting in the scope of my responsibilities here. I can't be sued. He is arguing he can't be sued in anything uh, just based on general principles of immunity for himself. Um, something that William Barr started with this idea of the unitary executive and absolute immunity. But yeah, it's, I I would say to your audience, stay tuned. There's a lot more interesting things about to come down the pike. Yeah, agreed. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Everybody give Jill Weinbanks a follow if you're not already. I'm sure you are. And please get her book, The Watergate Girl. It's absolutely incredible. Thanks for your time today so much, Jill. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a nice evening. All right. You too. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's Allison for The Beans. Fewer, better things. That is the philosophy behind Kuyana, a San Francisco-based brand which encourages customers to buy fewer but higher quality pieces. Kuyana's mission is to create clothing, accessories, and bags that women will wear and use every day and cherish for a lifetime. Their leather bags are timeless, functional, and versatile for all occasions. And every product Kuyana makes meets the highest standards of craftsmanship while also working toward their sustainability goals, which we love here at The Beans. Through their Second Life programs, they provide a way to recycle every product they create. Two women founded Kuyana with the goal of creating high-quality, environmentally conscious products that last for years. Kuyana opened my eyes to the disposable fast fashion industry, and I have adopted a fewer, better lifestyle myself. I recently got the leather travel case set. It's uh, Kuyana's best-selling item, and I can see why. It's amazing, beautifully crafted, multi-purpose design, two leather cases, one small and one large, and they're great for all the traveling I do. I love using these to pack my toiletries and beauty essentials but also placing them on my bathroom vanity. They look wonderful. It keeps everything organized nicely on the road and at home. Kuyana never goes on sale, but we have a special offer for you. You can receive 10% off your first order, over $150, plus they'll give you free shipping. So visit kuyana.com slash dailybeans to get your individual code. That's kuyana, C-U-Y-A-N-A dot com slash dailybeans. Start shopping fewer, better at kuyana.com slash dailybeans. And today's episode is also brought to you by Canva. Making content is an essential part of what I do to keep the show going, but it <laughs> hasn't always been seamless. Uh, there's a high learning curve on a lot of those, uh, you know, design programs. We've created such a variety of content, videos, social posts, website, logos, and posters, all of which was incredibly time consuming and limited by the software and my personal skill level. And ever since I found Canva Pro, though, I can design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content with just a few clicks. Whether you're a design pro or just getting started, designing with Canva Pro is amazing, fast, and fun. Choose from thousands of professionally made templates that are easy to customize with simple drag and drop features or just start from scratch. Canva Pro comes with endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add personality and edge to whatever you're designing. Canva has an extensive library of tools and features and imagery all available in one subscription. 
Never pay for another image again. With Canva Pro's access to 75 million high-quality photos and videos and audio and graphics, sharing, creating, and organizing designs as a group has never been easier. Canva Pro helps you stay on top of team projects all in one place, too. No more misplaced files or tedious back and forths. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you'll save time planning, creating, and posting social media content, too. Pause scheduled posts and edit them anytime. My favorite Canva Pro feature is the access to the over 400,000 free templates with new designs every day. I can easily design new logos and posters and events and more. So design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you get a free 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash beans to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's canva, C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash beans. Canva.me slash beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. If you have literally anything you want to send us, <laughs> you can do it at <laughs> dailybeanspod.com. I'm looking at the list here and I'm like, they know. I mean, send us favorite baby pictures at this point. Like, I know pet tax. I am making, <sighs> not that it's my call, but I would love to see baby pictures too, like cute baby pictures if you have them. Throw them in there. Yeah. Why not? Whatever. Anything. I mean, you know, you know, you you know the limits. You know. And you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and fill that out there. We have a corrections form specifically for corrections that forces you to say something nice about the show and end with something nice about the show before you can submit your correction. I think it's a brilliant way. I think we should <laughs> always do feedback like that. It, the sandwiching of feedback. That's how I give it. And that's how I receive it. Oh, yeah. I've taken tons of leadership courses and that's how you have those difficult discussions. So always smush them in a compliment sandwich. All right. First up. From Astra, without the R, Asta, pronouns she and her. Misheard idioms. Oh, good. When I was 20, I moved from Norway to Scotland. I'm now 33, still living in Scotland. And throughout my time here, due to an overly imaginative mind and being somewhat hard of hearing, <laughs> I've misheard and propagated quite a few idioms. <laughs> I do this so much, Asta. I, oftentimes what I hear is better than what is said. She says, I also started using Norwegian idioms, confusing many a Scot. We used my misheard translated idioms as table names at our wedding when I married my husband, John. How oh my cute. God, that's amazing. This is the perfect kind of story for misheard idioms. Some of my favorites are hooting my own horn. I think it's meant to be blowing my own trumpet. It's tooting your own horn. Uh, you're being a prune instead of prude. <laughs> and scary cat instead of scaredy cat. Some of my translated Norwegian idioms that I still use are there's owls in the ferns, <laughs> meaning something suspicious is going on. Walking around the porridge is avoiding a difficult topic by talking around it and pretend it's snowing when something embarrassing happens and you just dissociate by not acknowledging it. A favorite Norwegian behavior. Nice. Love everything you do. I've been listening almost from the very start. You are my daily highlight, and it's true joy watching all of this grow and grow. Lots of love from Scotland. Thank you, Asta. Nice. What a great beginning to our good news segment. The next one's from John from New Jersey, pronouncing him. <laughs> Night Ranger's sister, Christian, is an eternal font of misheard lyrics. Uh, this is how I misheard it once upon a time. Motorhead, what's your prices right? I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I always pictured Don Pardo shouting, let me kill Mr. Come on down. You know that you're the next contestant on The Price is Right. 
Lemmy Kilmister. I don't. Yeah, Lemmy from from Motorhead. I don't think Don Pardo was the announcer for Prices Right. Was no. he? He was. He was Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, wait, Rod hold on. Roddy. I Rod think it was Roddy. Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. You know, he, he's such a good voice, though. Anyway. I, oh, I should say, John. I absolutely love your fabulous submission here, and it's Rod Roddy, not Don Pardo. And I think that. New Jersey, uh, where you live, is lovely. There you go. There, I put it in a compliment. Nice. Sandwich. I have a funny story real quick, before, and I'll do the next one. We were, and not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with New Jersey, but uh, some friends and I were driving from D.C. to New York, and I was holding Not the sp- that there's anything wrong no. with New Jersey. But, but, no, but because the story I'm about to tell, but I think a lot of people will know. Um, so we were driving from D.C. to New York, and the little dog I was holding ripped one, and I was like, holy shit, and I rolled down the window, and my friend was like, not on the Jersey Turnpike! <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the smell that came out of the dog was much better than whatever's going on in the Jersey Turnpike. Preferable to the Jersey yeah. Turnpike. That's All right. fantastic yeah, This next one's from Alexis. I'll do this one because you get to close us with a good one. Uh, this is from Alexis pronouncing and her misheard lyrics. Preschooler edition. Somehow my five-year-old son became a fan of Imagine Dragons because your five-year-old rocks uh, of Imagine Dragons song Believer. He's always asking our smart speaker to play it. A few days ago, he told me that he used to think the lyrics say the lemur instead of believer. So now when we hear the song, we sing it that way. The real lyrics are hard to make out and they're kind of creepy. So it's much more fun to think they're singing about a lemur. Anyway, for my pod pet tax, I'm sending some photos of the newest addition to our pet family, a sweet kitty named Salem, who we adopted from a shelter a couple of weeks ago. Look at the beautiful kitty. Look at Salem in the sink. Probably the bottom of a shower, actually. <laughs> not knowing what's about to happen. Oh, yeah. Don't stay there too long, Salem. Yeah. And this is great because we, now we can substitute Believer in other songs. We're like, and I saw her face. Now I'm a the lemur. And I go. think that we could I think we could do that. Ring-tailed lemur, I assume. I like that. All right. Thank you for that. And now, finally, we have a submission from Kay, pronouns she and her. Kay says, hello, Beans Queens. I have been listening since the early days of Muller She Road, and I am indebted to all of you wonderful ladies for what you've done for me throughout uh, through this podcast. This is a bit of an overview of a decades-long story, but I hope you'll bear with me. Right out of high school, I joined the Air Force in June 2001 to serve and protect this country with the hopes of eventually retiring after full 20 years of service. However, I made the decision to exit the military in 2007 for what I interpreted at the time as not wanting to move forward with that career. I have since graduated with my PhD during COVID-19 shutdown, then moved states to start a new position as a postdoctoral scientist and spent most of the past year alone in my apartment in a new city with no friends, family, or even coworkers to converse with on a regular basis. Whew, that's tough. Needless to say, it's been a rough year plus for all of us, but I didn't handle it as well as I had expected. I spent way too much time alone, contemplating life choices, questioning my current predicament, coming to the slow realization that I had high levels of stress and anxiety. My imposter syndrome was running full tilt and I started having anxiety attacks, a new experience for me. I normally address my issues with time and logically thinking my way through them, but that wasn't working anymore. It was during this time that my lab started having monthly discussions about diversity and inclusion in our lab. The topic is extremely important to all of us here, and we've covered topics like celebrating black scientists past and present, sexual harassment, increasing diversity in science, women scientists, etc. We had two sessions to watch and discuss the documentary Picture a Scientist, which I hope you and your listeners take a moment to watch. 
At the same time, The Daily Beans has covered many of these same topics, and you all have been very open about your life experiences. All of these discussions have made me reanalyze my life choices, my experiences, my interactions with others. Then I listened to your episode on July 15th with Elizabeth McLaughlin while getting ready for work. Her message that shame festers in silence, that we should not be ashamed of our past, and being open about our life experiences was the last strike I needed to break down my emotional stone wall. Everything that had been swimming around in my brain from these recent discussions in the past few years finally coalesced into a clear picture. The assault in the military that I got blamed for, that I had been labeled an adulterer and received an LOR for, because at the time it was punishable under military code, that assault ruined my marriage and turned my husband into an emotionally abusive man. I hadn't realized how much gaslighting had been done to convince me that it had been my choice to be taken advantage of while intoxicated. The shame I felt going to work every day, believing I was a terrible person. I left the military because I could no longer bear the shame placed upon me and didn't feel worthy of the position. This is the reason I got angry when people don't believe that assaults or harassments happen. This is the reason I'm so protective of my colleagues and my friends. I realized that I, too, no longer had to carry this experience around in silence, to paraphrase Elizabeth. Needless to say, I was a complete mess as I went to work that morning and immediately broke down in front of my professor who took me on a walk outside to chat. I finally admitted to myself out loud what had happened to me, and he was more than willing to sit and listen and be there to support me. All of this is to say thank you to all of you at The Daily Beans for being brave enough to discuss these topics so openly and frequently, and to Elizabeth for speaking with so much strength and poise. Not all of us are immediately ready to accept our own realities despite being able to acknowledge when it happens to others. But with enough time, reflection, and support from our communities, like the Daily Beans, we can begin to heal. I realize this is not something I can handle on my own, and I've scheduled my first official therapy session. It was a huge step for me, and I'm looking forward to finally moving forward in confidence of who I am. Without you all and the discussions at my lab, I would still be living that lie. So thank you so much for everything. I am forever grateful. Pod pet tax attached. Marrow, who frequently announces his displeasure with the new kitchen. Lulu kitten. <laughs> <laughs> Chiral, who can never get enough belly rubs because Lulu thinks that's the perfect time to pounce on her. And three is Lulu, who has enough energy for all the kittens in the world. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, Kay, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I don't know you, but I think as humans, we share so much uh, that, that, binds us together. And I'm just, I'm really proud of you. One for writing this. You're an incredible writer. I don't know if anyone's told you that before, but it is fantastic. And I'm incredibly proud of you uh, for finding the strength that's always been within you, but uh, that has been helped out by the communities you surround yourself with. We have so much in common. We really do. I was going to join the Air Force because my dad was in the Air Force, but the Navy wanted me for the nuke program. And the same thing happened to me. They threatened me with an adultery charge because my rapist was married. And uh, I didn't get an LOR. I didn't. I just they talked me out of reporting. But yeah, for a decade, uh, as you will remember from the discussion I had with uh, Elizabeth Cronise McLaughlin about this and her book, Becoming Heroines, I, re- I recommend everybody pick it up. But yeah, and I'm so, so proud of you for sharing this and for talking to somebody about it. It's so hard to do that, that very first thing. And then even to just realize that it happened when yeah. you've so deeply blamed yourself for so long. So. You know, AG, I was thinking about just now, and obviously I'm, when I say new to the community, you know, we've, we've been working together for several months at this point, but I was just thinking how profound it is that 
you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's not a lot of podcasts that do this, that create a community where people can write in these stories. And one of the reasons, and I, I think you'll understand this as a comic, the reason I can make someone laugh is because they can see myself in my material. And so I get permission to be, for people to laugh at things they wouldn't normally or, you know, break down those walls between communities that wouldn't normally uh, see commonalities within them. And I feel like the situations like this, when Kay writes in a letter like this, there's a listener, there's a dozen listeners, there's a hundred listeners that have been waiting to say the same thing, hear the same thing, find this community. And you've just created a really special thing with the Daily Beans. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm, I love being a part of it. But not all podcasts are like this, you know, radio programs. I mean, you've got the regulars and the fans. Sure. You feel like that community. I know there's a lot of stuff heads on here and, you know, people that listen to all the podcasts within there and all the podcasts in your network. It, but this is a family. It's just so different. It's just so different. You really have created a gift to so many people's healing. And I know everyone listening can feel that. And especially if you've written into the show and you have felt heard and seen and validated by uh, either us, you know, Jordan, uh, Amy, anyone that's ever been on this podcast or one of the listeners that you've probably saved their life and didn't even know it. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, and thank y'all for, for sharing these stories. Seriously. That's it's, this is a, this is a two way deal. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And this community is just one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. So Truly. I appreciate you all. Yeah. I take it those were your final Those are my thoughts. final thoughts for today. Yeah. yeah. I'll be back in yours tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear, that, see more submissions, more stories. It's dehumanizing people we don't have faces to. And it, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Thanks so much, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And then the (laughs) The beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics and justice. For more information, please visit MSWmedia.com.